This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com start. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 133 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors and writers and directors and personal fitness gurus and personal finance gurus and voiceover actors and producers and agents and anybody at all involved with the entertainment industry. And we package those interviews up bi-coastally if necessary and uh, put them out there on the interwebs every week for you. First bi-coastal episode. Woo-hoo! Boom. And I think we might have this figured out, man. But hey, you know what? It is the year 2014. We can figure this stuff out. So <laughs> if it. you would like to put your voice on the podcast, uh, hit us up at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. Absolutely. I say that a lot. Right after you spin it, finish that part, I always go, absolument. On today's episode, we have... As if, as if, as if either <laughs> of us spoke French. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> On today's episode, we have part two of our chat with Alexis Carra, the beautiful Alexis Carra. And in just a week or two, she'll be actually all over the telly, as TJ Romini would say. And, uh, the telly. In, in, in mixology. So... Uh, Get it, get it here first, folks, because <laughs> she's going to be blowing up any minute now. So, hey, man, you are like 3,000 miles away. But I can still see you and via I, FaceTime. I can see you via the magic of Apple and the internet and technological advancements. Thanks to our generous patron donations and, and listener donations, we were able to get some additional equipment to make this whole bicoastal thing work for the podcast. And it's just uh, you know tangible proof that... The money that uh, they donate to us goes right back into the podcast. So I'm over here with uh, um, a brand new uh, microphone, mobile microphone, to support us in making that happen. And then um, sending the file to Trevor and Cesar to do the uh, the whole the, the production, the editing. So it's it's uh, it's good times. I'm dying to know what uh, your trip was like, real quick, and then uh, and where you're set up, and have you started rehearsals yet, and and what's the deal? I started rehearsals the day after I got here. That was a bit crazy. the The cross country trip was interesting. It was long, but it was exciting and it was fun. And I'm glad that I I'm glad that I did it that way. You know, my girlfriend and I talked about the various ways. There's so many little intricacies and things that you do think of and things that you don't think of when planning a move like this. We looked at all the various ways of getting ourselves across the country, and they all pretty much cost the same. Mm. The cost of, yeah. of getting here was pretty much the same. Yeah, I remember uh, you talking for, about that on the actually in the yeah, last episode. Yeah, 
Yeah, so so you know, we decided to do the the, the, the drive, and it was uh, it was it was long, and it was interesting. And for our U.S. listeners, they know, but for anyone any of our international listeners who are paying attention to what's going on in the U.S. right now, there's uh, what they are calling the Arctic vortex happening right now, which is polar. By is the it way, polar vortex? Polar vortex? That's okay, what I, that's whatever. What I heard. Uh, look, it's the scariest thing I've ever heard. Get as your far vortices as is right, man. It's insane. Like the weather here is ridiculous, but. As cold as it was, once we started getting into the Midwest and um, the Northeast, the worst weather we hit was the mm, two hours driving into Albuquerque, New Mexico, of all things. Really? And that's just because uh, we were hit by a storm at that point. So we were driving in, like, whiteout conditions, crazy snow. It was insane. And we could have hit a storm later on, but we were lucky enough that we avoided, for the most part, storms for the rest of the way. And it was just, you know, below freezing the rest of the time, but it wasn't storming. And the other cool thing about driving is we're not quite as jet-lagged because it didn't happen quickly. It happened sort of over a period of time. Yeah, you guys got out there pretty Um, fast, though. Yeah, it took us about four straight days of driving plus two half days. It was fun. It was interesting. My pick of the week is from the drive, so we'll get to that later. We got here. We are set up. uh, We're subletting. An apartment in Midtown. And you, you found this place uh, before uh, you actually came out, right? Or, or did you come out and just, like, wing it? No, we spent, like, five or six hours one night after I found out that I booked it looking for a, a place. And it just ended up being... And, of course, you know, this is how you kind of expect it to work. But it ended up being a friend of a friend. He and his husband are in Los Angeles for pilot season. <laughs> how funny. So we sort of swapped coasts. They are subletting their um, their studio apartment to us in Midtown. Uh, we are thankfully five blocks from the theater where I'll be performing, and five blocks from the uh, rehearsal space that we're rehearsing in right now. So it worked out really, really, really well. Unfortunately, it's temporary, but finding a permanent spot to uh, rent or sublet or something in, in New York can be pretty challenging. Mm. So we're, mm. we're, we're grateful and you know, it's, it's, it's all we need right now, even though it's uh, pretty small. <laughs> so cool, man. Now you got one of those like stories that all like the famous actors tell you know, like I was living in a closet in New York and there were, I mean, there aren't roaches on your floor and stuff, but you could make some, you could make that part up if you wanted to. Not yet. There's some crazy water bugs, though, I'll tell you that much. Right on. Cool, man. So rehearsals had begun then. Rehearsals started, yeah, the day after we quote unquote landed. Yeah. And it's been really fantastic. It's been really interesting sort of merging the two worlds of the LA cast and the new people from new york one of the cool the press release went out so everyone can go and and see who's in the cast now um and maybe we'll put a link to that on on our website but one of the coolest things is that um i'm not sure if i mentioned this but in addition to being in the ensemble i'm also understudying three of the principles yeah one of the principles that i'm understudying the actor is anthony crovello who is a Tony Award-winning actor. He won a Tony for his performance in Kiss of the Spider-Woman several years back. Um, So I'm literally learning from, watching, uh, shadowing, if you will, understudying a a Tony Award-winning actor. So awesome, man. So just a really cool experience, really uh, awesome to see everybody again. Um, I... 
I, I so love this cast and this creative team. And, uh, it's also really interesting because, you know, just like last time we're starting with music rehearsals, but you've got about 75% of the cast that already knows the music and everyone else are super talented in New York doing musicals all the time, know how to read music. So we're learning music like really, really quickly. Um, so that whole process is moving along really quickly. And, you know, we've only had three or four days of rehearsal. Um, we're almost completely, uh, uh, caught up on act one in terms of music and we've already done uh, two read-throughs uh because we kind of had to well, i mean we did one on the first day obviously and then the uh, marketing and pr people came in and they wanted to to get them as familiar as possible with the show because up to this point all they've really had is uh you know the movie to go off of and and maybe uh maybe the script and i don't know i don't mm. know what they had we are still getting acclimated to New York. It's freezing cold here. Yeah, I was going to ask you. It has uh, already snowed multiple times. It's been below freezing every single day. The high is like 30 mm. every day. Other than that, what I'm really looking forward to this week especially is getting back into not necessarily routines, but processes and, and new routines and getting into getting things done outside of rehearsal i guess you could say mm. because right now i'm, I'm rehearsing from 10 a.m to 6 p.m every day with like an hour lunch and because from the moment we found out you know jasmine and i kind of dropped everything started packing our stuff storing our stuff purging our stuff putting our stuff into this van and then driving across the country there was this two-week period that was just a void of time that all every possible thing was focused on getting us here so now that we're on the other side of that i wake up on you know last saturday morning i'm like holy crap i live in new york now and so going back and looking at all of the goals for instance you know trevor you you and i you know belonging to the masterminds team and 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 being up to all this awesome leadership stuff like we do these uh, LOAs, and we've put, you know, templates of those on our website and stuff before. It's been a challenge to think like, oh, I had all these goals. I had all these things that I wanted to accomplish. And yes, some of them are going to be different because some of them were LA specific, but not all of them. In fact, most of them are not LA specific. So just knowing that I want to get back to those goals and, and, and pick them up from sort of where, quote unquote, where I left off is where I'm at right now. And just trying to figure out the balance between making sure I'm present for and rested for rehearsals, but also getting as much of my next action steps for those goals that I set completed. Mm -hmm. Favorite thing about New York City so far? Least favorite thing about New York City so far? Favorite thing so far is because we live in Manhattan, because we live in Midtown, Everything is walking distance. You know, we sold our cars. We canceled our car insurance. We bought subway cards. Like, basically, we are saving hundreds of dollars a month not putting money into gas, into car maintenance, into... Well, we don't have car... We didn't have car payments anymore, but, but certainly insurance. Hundreds of dollars. So, you can literally walk to everything. And we're talking, like, four-minute walks, not like 20 minute walks. And if you want to go someplace that's 20 minutes away, it, it really is just a 20 minute walk. Like you can get from, from one side of the island to the other in like 20 minutes. Uh, east to west, of course. North to south is much longer. But 
still like it's not that far to walk and and then there's an awesome mass transportation system so i think favorite thing is probably just transportation in general and that includes my feet (laughs) my least favorite thing so far there is literally trash on the sidewalk everywhere it's in bags because it's people actually putting their trash out so it's not like people just throwing trash on the ground it's in bags but it's piled Mm-hmm. two, three, sometimes four bags high and lining entire lengths of streets, only skipping things like driveways. And Jasmine, uh, she's had a pretty productive couple days there. I mean, I, I read on the uh, the Masterminds group she shared today that she's got a bunch of classes that she's going to be auditing already booked and she's really taken advantage of the time. She had a meeting with an agent set up before we even got here what's up overachiever i mean Damn. she's rocking and rolling uh yeah. and you know i'm i'm in rehearsal eight hours a day so she's taking that time and and really uh utilizing it to her advantage like um like you said going to all these various classes and she's auditing you know what she found out here which is fun for iap uh, listeners uh, that that may remember uh is anthony mindell's class Who's taught by, which is taught by his his sort of East Coast, uh, you know, component. Right. But she's going to be going and auditing Anthony Mindell's class awesome. on the East Coast or in, or in New York. Oh, that's so, so cool, man. We have discussed uh, the Henderson guy, which is my pick of the week last week. We're going to pick that up and we're going to kind of uh, uh, go through that. Um, I still haven't had an opportunity. I, I guess we'll talk about this next week. Uh, to kind of talk about what happened with my the whole agent situation and and Heather's and everything, it was a it was a bit of a personal drama mm. for for me. Uh, not per- personal drama, more like career drama, professional drama. But uh, we can talk about that that later because I know I've rambled on about uh, New York for quite a while now. <laughs> well, yeah, you shared a lot of that in the last episode too about how. Um... I think you stream. I don't. I think we were recording for that part. I have to go back and listen. I know. I have to go back and listen to our own podcast to figure out what we talked about, <laughs> what we said. Uh, cool, oh, man. That's funny. Well, that's great. That's so, great. so what's up with you, Trevor? I miss you. I know, man. It's, you've only Talk been gone me, a bud. week. What's it's, up? It's only been a week since I saw you. Last, eight days or so. And uh, hey, that's a week too long, my friend. Yeah, yeah I miss it, you. It is, man. Missing you too. Um, I just got my head down in my writing over here, um, you know, plugging away with P90X3. And here's a cool thing. I'm, I've been moving pretty slowly with uh, the Beachbody thing. It's, it's kind of a thrival job. But this week coming up will be my first week where my income from Beachbody is entirely passive. Like entirely like I had no direct thing to do with it. It's all based on the efforts of... Of essentially of my team that I've kind of created and, and helped kind of train. Um, so that's pretty cool. It feels like a, a big milestone for me. It's you like know? A, a flip. Yeah, it's not a huge it's not a huge check, but it's a step in the right direction. And I thought that right. was that was nice because now I've got who knows how many hours I would have invested otherwise where money is just coming in and I get to put it directly towards my acting career. Towards workshops, huh. classes, postcards, materials, whatever it is. Yes. So I, you know, I saw that and I was like, 
damn, I didn't do anything for that money except kind of teach other people how to work the business. And it's, and it's, it's a win win for everybody, man, because, you know, I get that they get to, they get paid on, on their activity as well, obviously. And the people who are, are part, you know, partaking of the products, essentially, um, they're the best products out there. So they're getting fit and healthy and loving life, and it's just so cool, man. I, I had a good moment the other day where I was like, wow, look at this. We're all winning. Yes, we got an uh, email from listener Aaron I think it's Lee. It spells it L Y. Aaron, if you can correct us by uh, emailing us again or or, or calling in. Um, great, great question. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jen may have responded to this on uh, like the Facebook group or something, or, or or hit him with a reply to this email. Did she ever get around to that? I don't know, actually. Um, um, although that's not a one. bad segue we should probably mention um and we'll mention it again towards the end of the episode so i'll just be quick about it right now but um don't be surprised guys if you hear back from jen uh as a response to some of the email questions that you're sending in we want to be able to get you a response to some of these as quickly as possible since they are timely and trevor and i don't always have uh, time to get back to them immediately, but then what we do is we save them so that we can then answer them on air so that the other listeners can benefit from them as well. So we just wanted to make sure we put that out there. Yeah. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up an autoresponder for our email <clears throat> just so people know that we are receiving and reading them because a lot of times we can't get back to them in a timely way and I don't want people to think that we're ignoring them because we do get every email and we do read every single email, all of us on the yes. team here. He mentions uh, uh, some, some work that he's been doing recently. We definitely want to plug that for him. But the main crux of the, of the question here is, when at an audition in front of a casting director and a camera, where do you place your eye line? To the person reading the lines, straight to camera or off camera? He said he's tried all different kinds and, um, you know, he just it's starting to feel like um, like awkward and he's not really sure. The position for the camera changes, yada, yada, yada. Um, so what do you guys think? Um, <clears throat> it's pretty standard, I think. And Trev, you know, correct me if I'm wrong or if you've had any... Um, uh, other experience with this it's pretty standard that you deliver everything to the person who's reading with you yeah whether that's the casting director or the casting associate or just a reader that they've hired to be in the room at that time or not yeah. necessarily hired it could just be some kind of assistant or something like that if there's another person uh in the scene with you so if you're auditioning for you know a guest star on like one of those cop shows or something like that, and two cops are interviewing you, and one asks you a question and the other one asks you a question, it's usually a good idea to take your gaze off of the reader for a moment to address the second person, just to show, to create that sort of reality. Because mm -hmm. if you're, especially if you're being put on tape uh, for producers or, or what have you, you want to make sure that you can show them that you're camera aware, camera savvy, and that you're also clear on who it is that you're talking to, and it shows that you've made a choice to deliver this line to this person and this line to that person. So you can kind of take your gaze away from the reader, usually a wall or a point on the wall or something like that. Make sure it's specific, 
um, and that you make those choices before they start rolling. Awesome. Yeah, I would just add that if you've been directed otherwise, um, do exactly what AJ just shared. It's pretty standard to read directly with the reader. And, and sometimes if it's a little unclear, you know, you just ask when you go in. I've been in plenty of situations where I walk in and, and there's actually two people in the room, you know. There's a reader or there's a casting associate as well as a casting director or there's just a producer or somebody, you know, and one of them behind a desk and one of them sitting in a chair by the camera. And, and But one of the one on the desk has got a script. And so I'm like, should I read to you? Is kind of I usually just present a solution and then let, let them, you know, either confirm or deny. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah. I mean, because co- co- commercially it's even different. You know, you walk into a commercial audition and, you know, nine times out of ten in, in, in those situations – if you're not in a scene with someone where you're actually acting opposite them or talking to them, you're usually delivering your lines directly to camera and not to the guy who's the session runner. So, you know, it, it really does depend on the situation. But for theatrical stuff, meaning film and television, yeah, essentially what Trevor just said and what I said before is a, is a good way to go. Awesome. Well, thanks for the question, Aaron. Uh, he did also want us to just kind of, uh, well, he didn't want us to. We thought it was cool. He shared that he was uh, he's going to be in the series, the season two pre- season two premiere of a show called Ripper Street on BBC America. He's got a guest star role, and that is going to air on uh, the twenty second of February. And like you said before, we started rolling here, AJ. It's always so cool to hear that our listeners are doing stuff and that they're out there yeah. making it happen. And so you know, we're always happy to to mention that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, good on you, Aaron. Nicely done, dude. Everybody tune in and check that out. Ripper Street, February 22nd on BBC America. Uh, Sweet, man. Well, I think that does it then for this chunk of the episode. Shall we roll into the interview? Let's do it. Yeah, it's part two with uh, Alexis Carra. And uh, she's got Mixology coming up, right? Premiering right around the corner. So uh, uh, stay tuned for the interview and stay tuned for her new show. Other than saying no to a few thrival jobs that I normally would have said yes to, because I like I had the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is where actually Caduce and I sometimes differ in terms of like I'm not one of those people that thinks you can have you can pursue it all at the same time. I know for me it works better to focus a little bit more, and that's just what I've discovered for myself. So what I realized is when I was saying yes to everything because I knew I had the time and because I am superwoman and I can do it all, but something got lost in the midst of it because I was mm. doing a lot and I was doing it all really well, but it wasn't a thousand percent. So the difference is, as I said, there were a couple choreography gigs and teaching gigs out of town that I normally would have said yes to because it, it would have set me up for like three or four months rent and like whatever. I said no to them. Um, I, um, coached on every audition, whether it, whether it was a formal coach or I had a couple of friends that I said, Hey guys, this pilot season, like, let's do a thing together where, you know, and I did the same for them and it would be like, I'd buy them a coffee and give them 20 bucks because we were like helping each other out. But it was still like, I'd take up an hour and a half of their time or they'd an hour and a half of my time. So I didn't want them to feel like, you know, so we, I had two friends that I did that with. I did not there. I read 
through at least four or five times every single audition. And I didn't used to do that. Sometimes I would work on it just with myself or maybe read through it with like my roommate or once. No, no. I like every audition. I worked on it like it was the role that I had already, like I already booked it. Hmm. I fle- like I worked on every audition as if it was mine already. And that meant really doing it over and over again. And that meant that I said no to other things because sometimes I'd get auditions, two pilot auditions at seven o'clock at night. So that meant I didn't get to go to yoga. That meant I didn't get to meet my friend for a glass of wine. So that meant, you know, cause I was like, okay, for the next six hours until 1am, I am working on this audition. So I would say no to everything else. It's so some of it was social life. I sacrificed a little bit. Um, I know Will Smith talks about that in one interview I, I, I watched where he's like, I was at the gym and everybody else was partying. Yeah. I was at yeah. the gym of my acting gym and everybody yeah. else was doing whatever, yeah. you know, I, so that's why I cleared my schedule and I, and I, and I saw the discipline that it required for me to feel prepared for auditions. So I would walk in and there was no doubt in my mind that I knew what, like that I was so ready to inhabit those roles. Mm. They didn't all go exactly as I wanted them to, but like I just worked my booty off. Yeah. Now, did you go out for anything but seriously? I mean, once you no, had I talked, did, once was you doing had... guest stars too. Like I was going okay. out for guest stars, um, but but mostly pilot stuff. I did. It was my busiest pilot season, and four series regulars. It was a. It was the first pilot season I felt like where I've heard people be like, oh my God, it's so crazy. I was like, okay, now I know what that yeah, means. Yeah, now you get it, right. Now I get what that means because it's very last minute. Um, because because I'm not a name, you know, a lot of times it was like somebody else was had tested that day and they didn't get what they wanted or it was a celebrity that turned it down and then they're like scrambling. Mm-hmm. And at 7 p.m. I'd get an audition for 10 a.m. the next day for yeah. a series mm-hmm. regular. Yep. It's 15 pages. Yep. <laughs> oh, the other thing I did was I read a sh- Tons of pilots. <laughs> I read them. I Where was did you like, I, from different people, I just asked around. Who's got a pilot script? Yep, and I and I read. I just read pilots. And, or, constantly. Any specific type of script? No, all of them. So sitcoms, dramas, sitcoms, dramas, procedurals, the, mm-hmm. whole, the whole. I knew gamut. that I I got specific about the. I wanted to book a pilot and play a role that I was excited to play. I didn't want to just like book a pilot. I wanted to play book a pilot with a role that I felt excited about playing mm. to tell this character story. Um, so I asked my manager what kind of pilots they had. I asked other girls from my new Hollywood group, you know, like, and we see, we were so in the support of each other. They would get an audition and say this role, you could also play this role too. And they would forward me and, you know, and I probably don't know if that's like illegal, but it's only because we're there to support each other. And so it was like, you know, just me getting even more knowledge about, okay, this is the type of work that's being written right now. Um, right, right. Stuff like that. Yeah. So when you say you would spend the next six hours on the audition or the meeting, <laughs> the meeting, as it were. I'm curious why you say meeting instead of audition. Well, it, it, it comes from um, a kind of mini impromptu class I had with a guy named Glenn Morshower, mm-hmm. who's just been in a ton of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, he... He's the one who kind of introduced me to the idea. Mm. And he said, you know, like the, the idea of auditioning for mm-hmm. something kind of implies, at least for him, and I, I agree with it, mm-hmm. that you're kind of coming at this thing trying to get something. Whereas the impl- implication when you have a meeting is that you're bringing your creative ideas to the table and mm. seeing if they jive. 
That's, and if yeah, they don't, if that. they jive, great. If they don't, then okay, I wasn't the right fit. Mm-hmm. But an audition is more like you're trying out for it. Mm. And so it's you know it's a mini little language mm. tweak, but mm. for me it's it's a big one. And yeah, I, I like that. I, uh, meeting resonates much more with me. Mm. Yeah. I think it allows the actor to come from a, a more powerful place. Sure, it makes sense. Yeah. It's it's supported us in <clears throat> in that concept of you know here's what I have to offer my unique right. beingness yeah. like to the role and if if this is what you were looking for great and if not it just wasn't mm. yeah that makes like, sense like Trevor like said that. so so when you're prepping for these for meetings. Mm-hmm. yeah you got like seven o'clock you get the you get the mm-hmm. call mm-hmm. and you get the script and you got mm-hmm. fifteen pages. What are you doing for those six hours? What What is your process like? Drinking. No, I'm <laughs> that's totally a joke. That's a joke. No, I, that was the other thing. I was I'm very just smoking. Very, very. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just yeah. like sleeping. No. Um, I sleep on the script. I put yeah, it on my I sleep pillow on the script. And just learn uh, I read it yeah. a whole. I read it a whole bunch. And if I was coaching, there was a few coaches I'd go to. Then that process was like two. Like two of those hours was probably with the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't, wasn't able to get in with the coach or. Then it was about, like, I'd read it over and over and over again to understand, like, what's going on. Like, just what's happening. And if I could read the pilot, I'd read the pilot. Um, Then I would start to get into the... Like, you're asking me my process. Yeah, for... In this kind of situation, yeah. Yeah, I I, I would start to get in the, like, rhythm of the language. Um, So I would just, like, even... Not, like, saying the lines necessarily, but I would just, like say the words out loud, just like hear what was even the other characters lines. I just was getting the words out, like starting to get so like slowly starting to memorize it kind of. And then I would really get into, um, find ways to, to personalize it. Okay. Now how does this relate to me and getting into the character in terms of, um, if I could bring some of my own, you know, cause it's so fast. Like if there's something that, you know, if the character is going through, you know, something with their dad, like I have stuff for my personal life I can use. Great. Let me use that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the roles in television ha- that I would going out for weren't too f- different from stuff that I could. I mean, I did a couple sci-fi things, which was a little bit different, but it was still like, you know, maybe it was a scene where someone was dying. Well, I can, imagine what that's like you know i so then i would get into like some imagination work and i would do like um even just like close my eyes and do my own exercise of like imagining like visualizing what that would lo- what that would look like what it would feel like to do that mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. kind of put the words away then i would come back to the words and and like test myself in terms of do i do i have the language is the language in in it so that i was not worrying about lines ever when I was right. going into an audition. And I started to care less about getting the lines perfectly because mm-hmm. I didn't want to look at the pages during the auditions. I mean, they were there for me, but I just felt like having that freedom of like, as if the camera was rolling on set, then I would, I would just like take that risk. Even if it was a half hour and I was to come and I'm supposed to have it word perfect. Well, I would have it as word perfect as I could, but once I got into that audition or meeting, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care about because that would that was that would trip me up a lot. Yeah. In the past, with getting oh, I didn't get the lines right. It's you don't have to have them perfectly in the meeting. You don't. Yeah. You have to have you have to have worked on them like going in that that's the end goal. But like when you're in that meeting, that can't even be a part of what you're doing there. You're you're bringing yourself to the role it's not about um having lines perfectly yeah yeah 
not about that. I love how quickly awesome. we assimilated her to the word meeting. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I asked because everybody has different kind of um, processes. And, you know, yeah. like there's, when you get that, it's like the, the temptation is to be like, I'm going to be up till 4 a.m. And then you go and you're just like a zombie the next day. So there's a balance between, you know, like you said, taking care of yourself and some people go into super creative mode and they start cutting magazines up. And I was just oh, curious, no, I don't do any of that curious what yours I was mean, like. if, if then it was like, once I, once like I get to, if I, if I get to a callback place and I might do like a portrait study and look at some images and I did a little bit of portrait character work on Jessica, the, the role that I ended up booking with my coach. Oh, and the other part of that is then I read with somebody. Mm. And I get their feedback on what's what their what what their experience of me is and mm-hmm. that, that character because inevitably I'm doing things that I don't are unconscious that I don't really know oh you're getting that that's not what my intention is okay so let me try this so then it's like play mode right, right so it really right. like that was the tipping point is reading bef- working with someone else regardless of who it was on every audition every awesome. audition. Awesome. That was, that's, that's hard to do because unless you have a roommate who's willing to do that for you, if you live with somebody who's willing to do that for you, asking for help from your friends like that, or being willing to pay for coaching and going in like, oh, like very open to what that is, is, and then like, how can I use that coaching for my, like in the audition room is kind of, um, it's, that's, that's, that, that was key for me. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Really happy to live in a household of actors right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a huge yeah. advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I yeah. really want to hear about and give you an opportunity to talk about um, mixology. Oh, yeah. And sort of what your experience has been that. like. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, that. Oh, that oh, you mean the results of all this hard work <laughs> we've been talking about? Well, the process uh, is so is so rewarding. Well, yeah. and, and actually that's yeah. kind of what I'm curious about is just like the process of, you know, being on a, you know, you had four weeks on this indie film and you were so excited and everything. And so obviously television is a lot different. It's a lot faster. And, mm-hmm. um, have you shot the entire Series, season? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah. whole thing's, you know, shot and everything. You can. So, um, which is really unusual by the way. I've been, I've been thinking about that as I sort of tell people about your story, the fact that a major network these days has shot an entire season, uh, you know, even though the pilot has yet to air, mm-hmm. is becoming increasingly rare unless mm-hmm. it's like Netflix or, right. you know, Amazon Prime Video right. or whatever. So, um, yeah, just I'm curious about, you know, there's a lot of <clears throat> listeners who either have not been on a set or have mm-hmm. not been on a television set sure. or have not been on a television set for as long as you now have. So just kind of what that process has been like for you? Well, um, it was five auditions that led up to booking it. and some Five? Chem- wow. Because mm-hmm. so it like- involved chemistry reading with different people. Uh-huh. And then um, we shot the pilot in March. We actually started shooting the pilot on my birthday, which was really cool. That's awesome. Nice like, gift. Was birthday gift ever. <laughs> and it was, the pilot was two weeks, but I ended up only shooting like three days because it's an ensemble cast. Um, the, the, each episode focuses on different characters. So I'm not in a lot of the pilot. The other thing is initially the series, the pilot for me was about, um, I was playing off of and 
came to at the bar. The, the show is Mixology. It's about 10 people at a bar called The Mix and takes place in Manhattan. We shot in L.A., but it takes place in Manhattan, and it's about these 10 different people that come together and kind of what happens in, in one night. The whole series takes place over one night. That's cool. Wow. Um, the guys uh, who wrote The Hangover wrote it, um, uh, John Lucas and Scott Moore, and uh, Ryan Seacrest is also our executive producer. Uh, and... Initially in the pilot, I was I show up at the bar to meet my sister, who was played by the lovely Sarah Bolger, who's also on um, Once Upon a Time on ABC. She plays Princess Aurora, and then um, that changed uh, our, our dynamic. We had to reshoot all of our scenes during while we were shooting the pilot. We shot, and then it didn't work, and then they rewrote it, and we reshot. So it was highly stressful because we knew it wasn't working. And you have, like, you're shooting, and by Video Village, which is, for those of you who haven't been on a set, is basically where, like, the directors and the creators are sitting watching the monitors of what's happening on the camera, along with, like, ten network executives. And after every take, there's a huddle. And then our director, Larry Charles, would walk over and go, okay, so um, this time. And so you have, like, 400 people decide. So it was... Oh it was God. really, it was really stressful. I'm not going to lie. It was intense. And, um, what ended up happening was we, we, we found out about the pickup and we all, there's, there's lots of different, you get picked up and then they have to, what's called exercise your options, which means that you're moving into the series. So even if the show gets picked up, it doesn't mean that your character is moving on. So what happened was this character of my sister, uh, didn't make the series they decided to take out that character and write in a new character so um which was then the character's name is fabiana it's played by frankie shaw so she essentially comes into the show in the second episode so they recut the pilot and so that character really my sister character is kind of they recut it so that she's not really a part of it so i'm really in like two scenes in the pilot now because that's who i was with so it was a really intense process because we all became so close as a cast and Sarah's awesome and the only reason why they cut the character was because they wanted more conflict um, between my character and somebody else so they made uh, they created this character of my childhood enemy frenemy as wow. opposed to my sister hmm. um, and so they just felt like it was going to create more of a hotter dynamic um, and so it had nothing to do with Sarah's, I mean, she's like a super successful actress already on another series, like done, she has a film coming out, like this girl is working. So that was an example of what she, she was like, okay. And was so gracious and professional about how that went down because sometimes it's, it doesn't have anything to do with you personally. It's like, okay, what's going to be the best thing for the story? Cause yeah. by the way, we're still just telling stories, you know? So, um, anyway, we then then after the pilot gets exercise picked up and you get your options exercise and you um, that that process was a two months of waiting to hear so I know you know waiting 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 and then I uh, found out about that and then we started shooting in August and we got a thirteen episode pickup which is the pilot plus twelve so um, we started shooting and in the middle of shooting we were, we, we we well actually pretty much we knew going in that we were going to be what's called a mid-season show which is not in the fall and i think part of that is um because they wanted to give us time to really develop because the show the the concept of the show is so different with the one night thing so we were really happy that that was the case because they we knew we had time 
wasn't going to be like rushed. And, you know, they could have pulled the plug after five episodes because they, they'll see certain cuts of it and they'll get to see the dailies. And if they didn't, if the network doesn't like what they see, they'll pull the plug. But we were turning out great material. So that's, we got to shoot all 12 episodes. Um, we didn't really have to reshoot any of the pilot, just a little bit of things here and there. And uh, then we found out right after we wrapped on the 15th of November, we found out just after that that we were what our uh, time slot and air date is, which is February 26th, 9.30 p.m. on ABC, right after Modern Family. Yes. So wow. it was our, our dream slot. slot. Right after wow. We were all like, oh, my God, amazing. <laughs> So, yeah, we have an awesome lead-in, which means that the network has a lot of faith in the show. They're still in post. We're doing ADR on the show, and and so I've gotten to see a little bit of it. And uh, so then the process of shooting, it was the same thing, like really um, just really being open. And, uh, you know, I could talk about that for a whole other 30 minutes. But the process of shooting a series, I'd never done it before. So I went through, you know, the ups and downs of... Um, staying focused and also maintaining my life in LA. And so, you know, I was here shooting and I had never shot that much at one time Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Um, so that was a challenge and then staying positive and not worrying about what people think, Mm. not trying to be funny because I'm surrounded by these comedians. Um, my character is kind of the straight man. She's like a little bit of the Courtney Cox, Jennifer Aniston type, like, not, I don't, I don't land the jokes that the, the, the role that my character ended up taking is kind of setting people up and then I get a lot of the reaction shots. Yeah. So that was also different for me because I'm usually like wanting to be the one that's like landing the joke, but the way I, my character, I play a single mom who's out gets, you know, one night out a year basically. Um, uh, and so it's like my one night out to go out. So I'm a little bit more of, because I'm a mom, I'm definitely a little bit more of a voice of reason for people as opposed to like totally wacky and, um, out there. That's so cool. I love that you also know your role and kind of the narrative structure of well, the entertainment side That was of it. part of the discovery yeah. and the writers, it took them like, it took us all like a good five episodes to figure that out. So we actually, same thing, went back and reshot stuff. Mm-hmm. That wasn't working, and we knew it. And that's the th- also it was like such a collaborative atmosphere that I felt really comfortable sending my EPs an email saying I'm I'm feeling a little lost in what's happening right now. I'm, I'm not quite sure w- what you guys want, what's being said in the script versus what I'm hearing on set doesn't seem to jive. And can you help me? So I I wasn't afraid to ask for help and to go in being like I don't really know what mm-hmm. to do here. I had, I just wanted no ego in it. And of course the ego crept up and I wanted to be funny and act like I knew what I was doing. And then I'd remind myself like, this is not what this is about. <laughs> like yeah. I really, if I need help, ask for it. Go, I'm not, I don't know what this means here. Yeah. And so we did and we would get stuff changed. Um, they were open to hearing our suggestions. They were unbelievable, like unbelievable. Those executive producers, I would do anything. They, if they told me to stand in a film and hold an umbrella for 10 hours, I would do it. Like, and sing. Awesome. Like, it's a small world. I'd do it. I'd do anything for these guys. They're awesome. So, yeah, it was an, um, it was an intense process of, of learning and staying grounded wow. and, yeah. um, and asking for help when I needed it. I still was working with my coach on certain parts, certain things. Mm. Um, because I would, I would inevitably come up to things where I w- wasn't quite sure how to 
play this section or like I needed some help in getting in it. And so I worked with him on like two, two episodes that were kind of heavy episodes that had a lot of comedy. I, I did, ended up doing a lot of physical comedy, which was great. They discovered, of course, as the dancer, they gave me a lot of the Lucille Ball kind of physical nice. comedy stuff. Great. So I got to set up the jokes, but then I did some crazy, like fun physical stuff, which they didn't even plan on. So that was kind of cool. They just like that evolved as they got to know me. Right. Yeah. So the writers were awesome. It, it's a great reminder too of what you were saying about asking for help and being a, in a collaborative space that, you know, it, you, you were learning not only to remain grounded, as you said, but also the confidence of knowing like you booked it. Yeah. <clears throat> like you yeah. booked it and you're yep. shooting it and you're in it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're going to recast you halfway through this. I mean, it, it happens, but it's not like they're going to recast you halfway through the season. You are a collaborator. Yeah. You are, you know, they're giving your creative input. And so to be able to, yeah, have the confidence to um, ask for help, mm-hmm. get coaching, talk to people on set, talk mm-hmm. to people through email. Like yeah. That's, that's great. That's It's that's key really because otherwise, because I realize that everybody's scared. Including our executive producers. Everyone's scared yeah. of the network going, okay. Right. Everyone is from the top down. Yeah. So it's a choice of do we live in that fear or do we like have fun on set and play? Yeah. And there were two episodes where I was like in my head and like I, you know, had a fight with Caduce and we never fight. And he's like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I am like totally not enjoying this right now. Mm-hmm. And I just like, again, made a shift. I was like, okay, it's time to shift. It's because otherwise I'm going to spend the next seven episodes miserable and missing out on shooting my first series. And I was like, that's not going to happen because <laughs> I was not present. So, but I, you know, I had to go, I experienced two episodes like that. And what's funny is that those are the two episodes that I felt, hey, this just doesn't, I don't get it. And we ended up reshooting some of that stuff because mm. I just went to them and I was like, you guys, I feel like these were not, I wasn't giving you what I wanted there and yada yada and some of it was some of it was changing some of the writing and other parts of it was just me also shifting so you know no one's perfect no one's perfect so that was a that was another moment of like going okay now i get to make a shift and then the last half of this shooting was like awesome and so fun cool yeah well can't wait to see what happened like when it airs obviously and yeah. uh, can't wait to see season two gets picked up and yeah shot and, and of course all the exciting things that are coming forward uh coming for you ahead i think it's so awesome that you guys do this for actors because it's uh it's important for us to, to to stick together and um so yeah i'm yeah. i'm i'm always here <laughs> cool cool um, so yeah we always wanted to uh you know build a, a community that was yeah. the, that was the idea from the start it's key so, yeah. it's yeah. key yeah. So don't be surprised if I call one of you guys to read with me. Because oh I am gosh. shameless. And would be honored. Would be honored. Absolutely. I'm shameless. Yeah. And yes. I'll return and the favor. Versa. That's the key. Yeah. That's Sweet. the key. Alexis. Yeah. Totally. God, that was a great audition. Who did you re- who did you coach with? Yeah. Alexis Carra. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two questions we'd like to kind of wrap up each sure. of our guests with. Uh, and the first one is... I'm drawing a blank. The first one is... <laughs> What's do you feel like the, yeah? Do you feel like this in this industry chose you, or do you feel like you chose it? Um, both. <laughs> it's a two way street. I think um, what chose me was being an artist. Dance chose me. Like it's my soul. It's my home. Being in a dance studio feels like chocolate cake wrapped in bacon. Does that make sense? <laughs> 
I mean, so super healthy. I, I have the internet, so I know that that exists somewhere. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, it feels like home. Whatever home is to you, you know, like warm. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. dance for me is like literally a part of my. I, like, if you believe in past life, I did it in a past life. It's like in my chemistry. I can't mm. not be a dancer. Um, in terms of the business part of it, I choose. I choose that every day. Mm. Um, I think it's 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 like being in a. It's being in a long term relationship. You know, like falling in love is something that, like, I fell in love with Caduce and it just, it happened. We didn't, that that part wasn't the choice, but then to continue that love and to be in a whatever, I mean, I have, clearly haven't been, I'm not married, but I can imagine that in that, you know, what I hear from people who have those kind of relationships, it's a choice every day and mm-hmm. it doesn't always feel good. What if it's not a feeling? It doesn't feel good sometimes to be in this industry. It does mm-hmm. not. I still choose it. And that was a big part of that shift I made from 2012 into the pilot season last year is going, no matter what it feels like, I'm still choosing it. Yeah. I've talked about this in the show before, but so I, I, this is one of my biggest breakthroughs. Well, I once heard leadership defined as <clears throat> getting up, dressing up and showing up even when it's raining. Totally. And I just, I love that. Right. And I've said it a bunch of times to all my friends because it just, and it sounds like that's exactly what it is. When it doesn't feel right. You're, are you committed or not? You still show it's up. It's so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's part of that integrity thing for me. And that for me translated to integrity is showing up, but not just, but like giving my whole self as much as I can in that moment. You know, mm. obviously if I try to get out and run in the rain, I may go a little slower, but I'm still going to give as much as I would as if it was sunny outside. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But my yeah. time may be a little bit different and that's okay. I still put yeah. in as much as I did when it's sunny outside. That's, and that comes back to the whole integrity thing you were talking about. Like, it's wholeness. Yeah, and and you know that. it. It's your internal barometer. You Only you know it. Yeah. And it's so... we Our brain just like the committee, like it just it tells us that we're doing it, but you know inside and you're not. You know, it's like, oh no, you did your bet. You know, you did. And inside I'm going, no, I didn't. I actually didn't. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't really prepare as much as I could. And I just got, you know. So I choose that part. But in terms of what it means to be an artist and a dancer and creating... That chose chose me. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What's the second? Uh, second, you're like, what is it? Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> excited. Um, if, I mean, look, you've been in this industry. You could argue since you were two. Mm-hmm. You've done. You have now done it all. Like literally, you've done Broadway musicals. You've done, uh, you know, feature, feature films, films, and now you're a series lead in, in on, on television. With all of your experience and everything you've been through on both coasts in all forms of the industry, um, if you could boil down all of your experience into one sort of nugget of advice, what would that what would that nugget be? I think it would be that, like, I would. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a better phrase, but I think it really would be that go for broke, like, hmm. go until you can't anymore. All in. All in. Mm-hmm. This has been something we've been talking about on the show for at least the past three or four months. Yeah. The idea of just going all in. Of yeah. just like stop dicking around, like take stock of how much time your thrival job is taking up, your hobbies are taking like and just cut the fat. Yeah. And just like you said, with wholeness. I love it. Thank you so much for the language that you've put around this because I'm starting to have these concepts that are starting to solidify because you've got the words for them. Um, but just, yeah, yeah, that, that seems to be recurring going for broke, going all in and just being like, am I cut out for this or not? Right. 
I mean, it really does take that. It yeah. takes giving your all. And, and only you inside can know what that means and feels like. So it really does become about being super conscious yeah. to what that is. And then not beating yourself up over it when you didn't. Just go, oh, yeah, I didn't feel good about that meeting. Because let me be really clear about it. I read it twice. I thought I could nail it because it was like, oh, I know this role and da, da, da. I've done this before. Mm. But I only read it twice. Once to myself, once with my friend, like 20 minutes before I went in. I was a little bit late, da, da, da. You know, I got clear about all that stuff. Like I was always running late to auditions and that had to stop. I got to stop that because yeah. I was, that just even though I would sort of make it on time and I'm like, oh, it's a sign-in sheet. It's fine. It was like all sorts of justifying happening. I was like, no, I'm going to be there 20 minutes early. Blah. Just that's it. Right. Yeah. Even little things like that. And all the tiny little energetic shifts that that yep. comes with, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, the millions of like ripple effects that, that has. Yeah. Just that one action. No, yeah. I'm, I'm 20 minutes early now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that was a huge thing yeah. for me. And I remember my coach, but finally being like, you're late. I was late to every coaching session. He was like, is this how you do auditions? I'm like, oof, oof. <laughs> feedback. Yep. Yeah, and it, wow. it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah. So I think that would be my, my nugget is, and is to, is to go for broke. Hmm. Cause you can always get back up and start again. Hmm. What billionaire hasn't lost all their money? At least once. So true. Hmm. So true. Yeah. So you got to be able to risk everything. Everything. Hmm. I think, I think, Trev, I think the reason it's landing differently for us this time, what you were saying about wholeness, is because, you know, there's this thing of like, there's, I think what happens when you say, you know, you're willing to risk it all, go for broke, all in, you have this fear that it's going to compromise your wholeness, your well-being, mm. your integrity. But really what it is is that you bring your wholeness, your well-being, and your integrity to, to it, to it, to mm-hmm. the all-in, to the risking it all. Yeah. So it's not like all-in as in I'm not going to sleep until I... Um, until I book a series lead. Oh, no, no, <laughs> it's, no, no. I'm going to do everything that it takes to have myself be a whole person, a whole being, because that will be in support of, yeah, you know, that. So, yeah. so in other words, if like, I know one of your big things is like your music. Well, if your music is going to be an, a creative outlet that opens up your creativity when you're going over sides, then it is in support of that vision. Totally. You know, as opposed to thinking like, well, I, I got to put down the guitar because I'm all in with, you know, X. Mm-hmm. Well, and also it doesn't sense? mean you can't, this is what I mean by, I don't think you can, you can have it all, but you may not be able to have it all and work on it all at once yet. Do, do you know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, like exactly. I, I still plan on being dancing and, and I got really clear with myself that it was okay for me to spend some time to just focus on, on acting doesn't mean I don't get to be a dancer still, but I'm not dancing as much for sure. Mm-hmm. So it's like if, if putting down the guitar is like killing you, then maybe focus on the guitar and music and, and, st- and, and let go of like, and get really clear about why do I feel like I have to be an actor? Is there something, I mean, that was a big thing for me is I, uh, for a while I was pursuing acting to prove that I could do it because mm-hmm. it's so hard and I was just a dancer and I wanted to prove that I could be an actor. Hmm. And then I was like, that's a stupid reason to do it. <laughs> I'm either going to do it because I want to do it 
or because I like it just I was I really got clear with why I was doing it. Yeah. Before it was because I was proving to, that I could do it. Because mm. for some reason dancing like wasn't enough, which is bull honky anyway. Right. But so that was clear too for me is the why. And now I feel like I can. You know, I'm still focused, like I'm, I'm, you know, but someday, a few years from now, I can see myself having a dance company, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to start pursuing that yet because I'm still very focused. There's other things I have going that I'm, you know, so, um, I don't know if that also makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So saying no was important for Mm -hmm. me. Understanding that saying no right now is okay. No right now. Mm -hmm. No right now. Which is huge. Yeah. 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 It doesn't mean no no to this choreography, like thing because I really want to choreograph but I'm not I'm not focusing on that skill right now mm-hmm. so if somebody asked me to choreograph an entire ballet right now I could do it but I've been honing my acting and and camera work and all that skills rather than the choreography for right now but I know I know how to do that yeah. I just haven't been focusing on it yeah right yeah. but I I don't want to do it I can't give my all to both those two things at the same time right now yeah right now okay <sighs> Wow. wow. This this has been amazing, Alexis. Thank you so much for taking the time Thank to you. sit down with us. If people want to find out more about you, uh, obviously we'll post a link to your IMDb profile on yeah. our website, but where can they go? What do you well, I've, I'm working on my website. It's Alexis Cara, A-L-E-X-I-S-C-A-R-R-A.com. And I'm also active on Twitter, at Alexis Cara, same spelling. And then I have a Facebook fan page. So you can like me on there. I post a lot of fun, inspirational stuff and pictures and We'll be live tweeting as a cast for Mixology, and you can follow us on at Mixology ABC. My awesome. cast is really funny, um, way funnier than me. <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome. Uh, so check them all out, too. Cool. Yeah. All right. All those links will be on our website. Thanks, you guys. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank awesome. you. This has been great. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the second and, sadly, final part of our chat with Alexis Carra. Um, so cool, man, to uh, not only chat with, like, the kind of partner of one of our previous guests. We actually now have, like, a boyfriend-girlfriend team, <laughs> you know, in interview uh, duo that kind of happened. Uh, across the episodes, but also just somebody who really went out there and was just like, I'm going to make it happen. Like I was listening to part one last week and her agent said to her at one point, or she relayed this story, her agent said like, I wish all actors worked as hard as you. Mm -hmm. And that really Mm -hmm. stuck with me where I thought, gosh, you know, I wonder if my agent ever says that about me. And then I instantly was like, okay, I get to step up my game. I get to make that game plan, work that game plan. Um, Just as much as I work everything else in my life. Because it's easy yeah. sometimes to think like, oh, my agent's doing the work for me behind my back. But that's not really how it works. They're just a salesperson, essentially. And you've got to make sure that um, you're essentially keeping them accountable. Yeah, and I also really appreciate, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to act with with her in scenes in, in uh, Howie Gold's workshop. And I really appreciate her just going for it. Just like she's always willing to take notes and try things and and go balls out, she still will will joke around from time to time about being like the the quote unquote dancer who people are always 
you know, nervous that she won't be able to act because she was a dancer. I think that the way that she has uh, really sort of combated that in a way is just by, like, seriously going balls to the wall uh, whenever she, you know, gets a note or is just, you know, trying things. Like, she, she we, we did this one scene and, and, and she got a note where she was like, you know, the, the director was like, you don't, I think I was playing her father or something, and he she, he was like, "You you you cannot stand this person. He makes you so angry," and she just started like improvising lines and basically screaming at me. I mean, it was it was it was great, and I just I anyway, all that to say, my point is that I just really appreciate her willingness to uh, be vulnerable, um, expose her her emotionality, mm. warts and all. Mm-hmm. as they say boom yeah. and thank you alexis for coming on the show yeah yeah it was awesome to um have her as a guest uh what's your pick of the week man so my pick of the week in st louis missouri there is a building called city museum it's essentially a giant playground for adults and children alike it is completely made up of reclaimed recycled uh, parts of pretty much everything. There are old cranes. There are old airplane fuselages. There are old like uh, uh, tubes and tunnels from like McDonald's play, you know, centers. The little like play places. Uh, there are giant ball pits. There is a ten and five story slide where you literally no have way. to hike up 10 stories worth of stairs and then you slide down the spiral slide for 10 stories. Um, it is impossible to describe, but it is probably the most fun I've ever had in my life at a place. (laughs) It is, it's the, it's the brainchild of, um, this artist, um, named Bob Casilli, who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago in a tragic accident when he was building his new vision. But I remember, I didn't find out about this guy until after I had explored these, these, like, there's, like, caves you can go into, like, indoor caves you can go into. And you're, like, you're literally, like, dropping into holes that, that then become slides. So you, like, start sliding all of a sudden and you get freaked out and then you end up, like, inside a giant whale. And there's, like, a aquarium next to you with live turtles in it. No way. And then I had to do, like... And then I had to do, like, a, an army, like, roll to get out from underneath this whale. And I didn't even know it was a whale until I got out of it and turned around. Um, every... Almost every inch of the floor and walls is covered in, like, mosaic tiles that, is, that, are, that are designed by um, two or three mosaicists who have been with the building since it became... A thing. He bought the building in 1983, started construction in 1985, and it opened to the public in 1997. Um, oh, wow, so that was a long in time. In two in 2010, 700,000 people visited this place. I mean, wow. it is incredible. And he always said that it would it would it was always going to be uh, it was never going to be finished. Hmm. Um, and so I remember when I was going through this place that like. I was thinking to myself, what an incredible vision for someone to have. Like, 
just an incredible vision. It, it There's nothing else like it on the planet that I know of. And so then I wanted to find out more about this guy. And I asked one of the employees there and she kind of broke it down for me. He, like I said, lost his life, unfortunately, in a tragic accident two years ago building his next vision, which was going to be like this giant concrete and like sort of man-made and nature complex. He bought an old concrete like factory. So it had all the buildings there, uh, concrete that was like left over. And he was like having, asking people to like dump their dirt there if they didn't want dirt, their dirt. And he was shaving it into mounds that would look like mountains and then planting sunflower seeds so that there was like gardens at this place and all this stuff. And I don't know what happened, but he, he died in the construction of that. And, um, you know, the hope for his fans is that it will open someday. That's so cool, man. You know, my dad used to live in St. Louis for a year or two. He was out there and I went to visit him once or twice and I never heard about the city museum. That's uh, awesome, uh, man. You were robbed, Trev. You I were was. Robbed. It sounds really, really cool. So my uh, pick of the week is a book called Failing Forward, How to Make the Most of Your Mistakes by a guy named John C. Maxwell. And John Maxwell is kind of like a self-development human potential kind of guy you know he puts on seminars and all that fun stuff and and this book um to be honest actually it's a little bit tedious but it's only tedious because it attacks the idea of failure being a myth from every possible angle so after you're done with even just like five or six chapters in this book there's no way you can look at anything in your life and not think what a blessing that that opportunity that thing was the opportunity to learn from something that we might call a failure most of the time um there's no way you can you can see failure in the same light after after reading this book so i've been enjoying it quite a bit even if it is a little repetitive it's still pretty awesome so there's a link to that on our website again that's failing forward how to make the most of your mistakes by john c maxwell sounds awesome it sounds like uh another book that i've been meaning to check out for a long time called I think it's called Being Wrong. It's by this woman named Katherine Schultz, and I found out about it through uh, her TED Talk. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's called Being Wrong, Adventures in the Margin of Error. <laughs> <laughs> I dig and, that, man. Uh, I'll have to check that out next. So we do have a patron uh, that we want to thank this week, um, a guy named Jerry Foley, who has been supporting us every month for the better part of a year now. And uh, he's a pretty awesome dude. He's um, been up to some fun stuff. His bio on our website, his little patron kind of blurb, is uh, is a lot of fun to read. Um, and he's done a lot of things. He's done print work. He's done uh, fitness modeling, fashion modeling. He's a voice actor. He, he's been on the radio, on TV, um, lots of film, independent film projects, things like that. He's now directing something. Uh, so he's up to a lot of cool stuff, and he's been um, throwing some support our way every single month, which which is uh, just amazing. So, Jerry, wanted to give you a shout-out. Thank you for your support, and hope that people will uh, check out your work. And I think that does it, then, for episode 133. First by Coastal episode, man. First we, by we Coastal episode. Yes. Success, man. Or at least man. we think we did it. I know. We'll find <laughs> out. Uh, we'll find out when you send as soon me this as I, file. Yeah, as soon as I upload this file to you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. And anybody who has questions about how we're doing this, uh, you know, fire fire away. I think it's, hopefully this will work. And if it does, you know, there's a great way for anybody out there to start a podcast with anybody else out there. 
regardless yes. of geographical location. Yeah, man. Lots of ways that people who are listening to this can be in touch with the podcast, communicate, interact with the podcast. Uh, you can start at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com, where you can leave a comment on an episode. You can shoot us an email uh, at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. And you can also call us and leave a voicemail to get your actual voice on the show as well. And we'd love our voicemails long time. So um, don't be afraid. Don't be shy to pick up the phone and, uh, and let us know uh, what's going on. 2132-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. Nicely done. Yes. And you can oh, yeah. also find us all over the internet, Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Actor Rated, etc., etc., etc. And uh, most importantly, we would not still be a podcast and we certainly would not be recording this episode if it was not for the generous donations of our listeners and our patrons. And you can find out how to do that over at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. The donate button on the right-hand side. Become a patron, and you could be our next patron of the week. Or you can just leave us a nice lump sum, and we'll go out and, uh, and, and put it right back into the podcast. Basically, we would not be recording this episode right now if it wasn't for those generous uh, donations from our, our listeners. Uh, you have literally kept the wheels on this bus not only going around around i mean just kept wheels on the bus <laughs> like period like we wouldn't In have wheels instances, yeah yeah this this is this is uh, brought to you by our listeners Absolutely. and and uh, it's uh, it's been an amazing journey and i am i'm i'm literally i'm freaking out right now i can't believe that this is this is happening and that we're doing it uh three thousand miles apart i'm so freaking excited for the future of the podcast man because there's going to be so much that we get to talk about so much that's new in your world that i have no idea what's going on so many things that i'm going to experience here that you'll be like oh my god what was that like i didn't i didn't experience that in la or whatever it is you know so yeah i'm really stoked man yep it's going to be some good and, conversations and, and, and coming access up. to yep and access to, to guests that uh, that are on both coasts now yeah hell yeah you know yeah Ed Burns guest- has no excuse. <laughs> that's right. That's right, dude. You're there. Let's get on that. Damn. Cool, man. Well, for episode 133 and our production coordinator, Jen Levin, our technical producer, Cesar Gamino, and myself, co-host Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, did we mention we're on different coasts? This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download.